Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting atypically from my parents' basement in Wayne, Pennsylvania for this episode. I am home for the World Series. Game three got rained out last night. We're going to be going tonight for game three. By the time this drops, the world will know what happened to the Phillies in the World Series here. But right now, I'm in my parents' basement, uh, not at the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm in my parents' basement in Wayne, Pennsylvania, speaking with Seth Silber, who is part owner of the Fredericksburg Nationals, the single-A affiliate, obviously, of the Washington Nationals, part owner of the team, Seth Silber. Seth, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Oh well, this is this is a, an unusual episode. Not only because I'm broadcasting live from my parents' basement rather than my own basement, but because I don't typically feature teams who are named for their parent clubs. Because I like to tell the the stories uh, of the you know the local communities and what the nicknames mean to the local communities. And very often, you know, teams named for their parent clubs don't really have that that kind of connection to the to the local community. But you all. First of all, you know, we'll call you the Fred Nats because the Nationals, you know, the Fred Nats distinguishes you from the uh, the, the Washington Nationals. But the story behind this logo that I think is just so much fun is the the George and Mary Washington based uh, brand that you have. That is just it's so much fun and it's so distinctive and really is tied to the specifically to to Fredericksburg. So with all of that prelude, I'll just I'll just jump right in and I'll ask you the question. Before we get into the the George and Mary Washington brands, how much conversation went into the decision to retain the name of the parent club when you when you moved to Fredericksburg for the 2021 season? How much how much conversation did you have about whether to go with a different name or to retain the parent club name that you had had as the Potomac Nationals prior to moving to right. Fredericksburg? Um, so a lot of conversation. Um, you know, it was not a foregone conclusion at all. And we, you know, like a lot of teams do, we really surveyed the community um, to, to see what, what they thought. And um, in the end, the overwhelming support was for keeping the team uh, named Nationals. And I think it just it has a lot to do with the, the local pride uh, in being affiliated with the Washington Nationals. Um, the team has fallen on harder times lately. But, uh, you know, when we were doing this, uh, the team was was riding well and uh, actually won the World Series you know, in the year that we revealed our logos and all that, and before we really launched in Fredericksburg. Uh, but we really did survey the public. And, you know, there's there's a ton of history in the area. Um, it was interesting. There was a lot of people who were interested in us bringing back the name Cannons, which we had used in Prince mm-hmm. William County for a long time. And there were some other kind of military-related themes, uh, things like Founders, which, you know, we really have incorporated by bringing George into our logos and things like that. But ultimately, you know, just tremendous local pride. Uh, you know, we're an hour from Washington. Uh, we have a lot of rehab assignments. You know, that connection uh, is important. I think a sense of pride for the community, and that's really kind of how it's played out. But you know, as you alluded to, uh, we have really worked hard to bring in the local community and the local history. You know, into everything that we're doing. Sure, it's it's 53 miles from Fredericksburg to Washington D.C. I do think it's easier for teams that are closer to their parent club to be named for their parent club. Still, Fred Nats is a is a fun uh, nickname. You know, it's fun shorthand for the team. Before we uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about George and Mary Washington here in a minute, but uh, you know, Fred Nats. I liken it a little bit to the you know the Worcester Red Sox or or the Woo Sox, right? And so. 
as as a nickname, Fred Nats sort of stands on its on its own. Yeah. How and when you unveiled the the logos originally, you know, you had a Fred Nats script in there, so that was obviously intentional. What went into that decision to have that sort of shorthand Fred Nats for the team? Yeah, you know, always have kind of loved the concept. And yeah, you've got the woo, the woo socks now, uh, but there was the paw socks before that. Um, you know, kind of always thought those kinds of monikers really are helpful. Um, you know, we thought about it and Fred Nats came to us very quickly. Um, you know, we had been referred to as the Peanuts uh, up in up in Prince William. Um, F Nats doesn't have a really good sound to it. So that was kind of ruled <laughs> out immediately. And, you know, Fred Nats really came to us quickly and was in the back of our minds that if we were going to stick with nationals, that's what we would do. And mm -hmm. it, it again, you know, the local sense of pride for uh, for this community, which is just an outstanding community as far as the support that they provide us and the fun they have at our ballpark, you know, to pull these two things together and combine Fredericksburg and Nationals into one thing that really kind of flows from the tongue, uh, we love. And I mean, I never refer to us as Nationals. Um, mm -hmm. I only refer to us as the Fred Nats. And that's how everybody does refer to us. So that that's worked really well. And I think it just it kind of works quite naturally. So the logos, the the initial logo that was unveiled featured George Washington. And I should say that I'm going to speak later on in this episode, I'm going to speak with Dan Simon, who created the logos for you all. Uh, you and I have spoken about this before, and I've spoken with Dan before about this branding for an article that I wrote for sportslogos.net when it first came out. And then I will also be speaking with uh, Philip Greenwald, who has portrayed George Washington for the National Park Service. So we're going to delve into this this history here. But can you tell me what the connection is specifically that that George Washington, you know, why it is that a, a baseball team in Fredericksburg, Virginia, would have a George Washington themed logo? Yeah. So I'll, I'll back up a little bit first. And when we uh, first came to Fredericksburg to meet with the city to talk about building a ballpark, you know, I Googled Fredericksburg baseball mm -hmm. and something that came up was a paper that a local uh, cultural historian had written about the history of baseball in Fredericksburg, which goes all the way back to the 1800s. There were semi-pro teams playing in stadiums in downtown Fredericksburg that far back and the history continued. So it was immediately clear that the history is rich. And if you go to downtown Fredericksburg, which is this beautiful historic downtown, I mean, the sense of history from the Civil War, uh, from the Revolutionary War, you know, up to today is really incredible. So it had to play a big part in what we're doing. Um, and then you get very quickly to Fredericksburg was the boyhood home of George Washington. Um, and that needed to be incorporated. And, um, you know, uh, have always you know, we, especially when you're using the name Nationals, you also want to come up with something that's going to personify something. Mm -hmm. And having an individual as part of that uh, really works. Um, you know, one of the logos that really drew off conceptually was the uh, the, the the Teddy logo for the for the Rough Riders, and uh, you know, which which Dan Simon had done as well. And that kind of had always been something that resonated with me, and we wanted to work on. And um, working with Dan was incredible in the way. We put it together. We got the characteristics right. We came up with the baseball bat axe and all that kind of stuff, you know, to tie in. Uh, really, really worked quite well. And um, you know, we have uh, we have three mascots at the ballpark. One who's Gus, who's a whole other story, who really is very popular. But we also have um, a George, and then his mom Mary, which we'll get to. Um, you know, giant head type mascots, kind of like the racing presidents that the Nationals have. But you know, bringing that history in um, was just critically important. And uh, George Washington, 
is an important figure in Fredericksburg, and then his mother, who lived there almost his entire life, Mary, who the local university is named after, and so forth. The local hospital system is like uh, is is named after. Also plays you know a huge role. So well, so let's talk about Mary, and I, I want to talk about Gus as well because I want to delve into Gus. Gus was important enough for you all to put him on a helmet Sunday, and so I want to I want to ask that question about about Gus. But let's talk about Mary because you know you you mentioned. You have the George Washington logo, very distinctive, illustrative quality of George Washington swinging a baseball bat. The baseball bat has an axe head on the end of it, obviously referencing George Washington chopping down the cherry tree, which happened right there in Fredericksburg, that uh, that story. And I assume that's true, right? That's a true story that George Washington actually chopped 100% down that cherry tree. 100% true, no doubt. 100%. <laughs> but his mother, Mary... You have two logos, uh, you know, George swinging the bat and then Mary throwing a baseball who you could align to make it look like Mary is pitching to George. George is batting right handed and, and facing out and Mary is throwing left handed and facing in. So you could actually put them together and make it look like Mary's throwing a pitch to, to George. But it's not typical for. First of all, for there to be a, a logo, an entire logo, a standalone logo with a female character. And I think that that was sort of an important part of this this logo set to have uh, you know a female character on her own as one of the the logos for this team. Was that part of the conversation when you when you created this part of the brand? Yeah, no, that was incredibly important to us. And you know, and again, she's more of a central historical figure in Fredericksburg than George is. Even mm. I mean, his, his, uh, there's his birthhood home is there, but the Mary Washington house is downtown Fredericksburg. And, um, you know, she was an important figure and she was, you know, a very interesting figure, you know, in her own right, fought, battled cancer, uh, did a lot of good things, you know, in the community. Um, and so it was something important for us to do. Um, you know, I think to us having a, a logo of a female historical figure was something we thought was important to do. And we knew it was somewhat unprecedented mm -hmm. and wanted to do it. And uh, for me, um, with a dog, who uh, is 23 now, um, when we revealed the logos, which we did literally on the doorstep of Mary Washington's home, um, my daughter delivered the speech in public, revealing the Mary logo and explaining the importance of Mary historically and in present day time. So it was a really important thing for our family to do and was well received by the community. And in doing all this, you know, we really did want to make sure things were historically accurate. Um, there are very few pictures of Mary. Um, and in the pictures that we have, she is a very stern looking woman. Mm -hmm. And we worked with the local historical societies uh, to make it as accurate as we could. Now, we couldn't historically prove that she had a baseball glove and she was pitching to her <laughs> son. You know, we took a little license there, but we really worked with the historical society to look at these things and make it accurate. And, and Dan did a number of calls with us, with his mm -hmm. local historical societies to make sure we got that. Um, you know, the one other thing that's really important, the other logo we have, we call our cityscape logo, mm -hmm. um, which shows some of the important kind of architectural fixture, uh, features of downtown Fredericksburg, uh, the river running through it. There's this uh, kind of a, a historic bridge. And then there's three church steeples uh, that line up along one of the main streets in Fredericksburg. And we worked all that. And we spent so much time, again, with the historical society, with city officials and with Dan, interviewing all these people to get it right. And that logo is such an incredible source of pride in the community. Um, people love wearing it, love showing off their city. And that combined with the Fred Nat script, 
you know, helped us really tie things together. Yeah, that logo is definitely one I was going to ask about. And it, it looks almost to me like if you were to remove the Fred Nats script from it, that it could be something that, you know, that the the Convention and Visitors Bureau could use for for marketing the city itself, right? Like that it's, you know, definitely highlighting, you know, the very much the sense of place that exists within Fredericksburg. And and I went to school in in Richmond, Virginia, obviously grew up in, in Philadelphia. I live in Colorado now, but you know, I, I look at that that sort of illustrative logo uh, highlighting the you know the the architectural features, but also the natural features of the Fredericksburg area, and it yeah, it absolutely evokes this this sense of place that I have from from my time in Virginia as well. So that that's a really effective and yeah and and fun logo for the for the team. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned. I mean, we uh, drew some of what we did off of some logos that the city had been using from a tourism perspective. Mm. So they, they do actually mirror each other, and and we worked very closely with them, you know, on this. And, uh, you know, I think it is something that they're very happy to use to market, to market the city. Yeah, that's, that's great. No, that's, that's terrific. And I'm glad you brought that up. I was definitely planning to ask about that, that particular mark. And I'm sure I will talk to Dan about it as well next. I also want to ask about Gus, because I, I do have, I have a, 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 my friend Jeff went to a to a, a Fred Nats game and he collected as many of the helmets that you all have because he knows that I collect them and, and I have a whole shelf in my basement with, you know, 400 some helmets on them. And one of the ones that showed up in the mail was one I had not seen pictures of before. It was just a it was a helmet with with Gus's head on it. Can you tell me who Gus is and and, you know, the the decision to to feature him as a as a logo itself on one of the helmet Sundays? So Gus is George Washington's childhood imaginary friend. That's <laughs> that is who Gus is, uh, and that comes out of the imagination um, of our general manager Nick Hall and our vice president assistant GM uh, um, uh, Robbie Perry, um, who are just two incredibly talented people in running a baseball team and marketing. And um, when we were coming up with the you know the mascot. Um, they showed me this conceptual picture of this uh, purple monster with green spots and a red mullet. And I told them they're out of their minds. Um, and I took the pictures home and showed my kids, you know, who were teenagers at that point. And they said, Dad, you have to stop them. This is horrible. You must end this now. <laughs> and, you know, I went back to them. I explained my concerns. And, you know, they were trying to pull on the concept of, you know, of gritty. You know the flyers mascot mm -hmm. and said we're, we're going to get clobbered initially but just trust us and you know i said this is what we hired you to do i i trust you i think you're out of your minds but i trust you and um gus has become you know incredibly popular uh we just um made a gus bus which is a minivan wrapped in gus colors and everything and it, it's really uh, it's really pretty incredible so yeah, Gus has become a big part of the community. And one interesting thing, you know, the, the name Gus, I literally think we were uh, sitting in our temporary offices. This is back, you know, four years ago yeah. when Nick and Robbie are showing me these drawings. And I said, well, what are we going to call this thing? And like Robbie goes, let's call him Gus. <laughs> and, and it just came out like that. Turns out um, George Washington's father's name was Augustus and his nickname oh. was Gus. We actually did not know that at the time. We figured that out later. So, you know, it all ties together, but he is George Washington's childhood imaginary friend. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, Barney meets Pop-Up Smurf meets something else. 
and uh, and the, the he's just the kids love him and and they do you know you need good people to bring a mascot alive and we've got terrific people who do that you know i often ask these questions knowing the answer you know i'll just sort of ask the question to to sort of set up <laughs> to set up the conversation and this is genuinely one I did not know the answer to that question. When I asked who Gus was and you said it was George Washington's imaginary friend, I had yeah. I had no idea that that yeah. was coming. So <laughs> well, and, and we we have the photographic proof um, when George was crossing, you know, the the Delaware River, uh, Gus was in the boat. We we have pictures of that. Um, and other pictures of Gus hanging out in the background of signing, you know, important documents. So we actually do have the proof that he was there. That's good to know, actually. Yeah, that uh, I may I may ask to to have you share that with me so I can put it out there on uh, on Twitter when the, when this episode goes live here. Yeah, I'll just I'll I'll leave you with this. I mean, I know that it was uh, sort of a, a a more drawn out process to you know officially launch the team. You know, especially with with the lost season to COVID. Uh, you know, I know that it was th this process of of leaving the peanuts and becoming the Fred Nats. Now that you're finally up and running, you've got your second season fully under your belt, uh, actually on the field there. How has the reception been within the community of Fredericksburg? It's it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, our family, you know, the family, it's a family business. It's my dad, mm -hmm. my sister and I own the team. Yeah. Uh, Kids are involved. My brother-in-law's involved. My wife's everybody's kind of involved. It's a family business, but we're much more DC, Maryland, Northern Virginia focused. Um, I live in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, I'm an attorney. I practice in downtown Washington. And when you do that, you have kind of a Northern, Northern Virginia, DC centric mindset. Mm -hmm. And when Fredericksburg reached out to us, when it was clear things weren't going to go forward in Prince William with a new stadium, we were skeptical you know, uh, about this this little town uh, mm -hmm. with actually, you know, very modest sized city government and budget. And they blew us away when we got there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, each step of the way, the support of the community was incredible. Um, we did a, a groundbreaking event, you know, as people usually do six months before we actually do the groundbreaking mm -hmm. um, at a convention center in Fredericksburg that we actually run ourselves. And I remember we're all inside, we're setting up. We hadn't realized there's like a thousand people lined up outside the door to come in and hear about this and to buy our first shirts that didn't have the logo yet because we didn't have the logo yet. Just saying, you know, Fredericksburg baseball and groundbreaking. And, you know, those moments, you realize it's right. And then we finally get to, you know, opening day um, of, uh, I keep getting lost with COVID, opening day 21, where we finally mm -hmm. open the ballpark, even with restricted attendance. And it was amazing. And then, you know, you know, every night at the ballpark is magical, but we had we had one home playoff game in September. And I, I keep looking at the video I shot when we won the game at the end, you know, where you've got four or five thousand screaming fans waving towels in just the most incredible atmosphere. And, you know, and that's exciting to me. The, the, the more exciting part is just walking around the ballpark. I hadn't stepped foot in Fredericksburg until four years ago when we started doing this. Mm -hmm. And we now feel so part of this community and the support uh, is amazing. We have a season ticket holder event tonight and I can't wait to see all these people who I haven't seen since early September, you know, because they feel like, I mean, they are close friends. They feel like family and it's just an absolutely magical place. And, you know, the, the, the team name, the logos, it all ties together and creates this really kind of magical environment for us. Fantastic. Seth, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, having this conversation again. It's a pleasure to get to speak to you now uh, twice in a couple of years about this team. 
I know that people can find the Fred Nats online fairly easily. Uh, do you have a, a social media presence that people should go follow? I absolutely do not. <laughs> <laughs> you, right. you can you can find me on Facebook without a face. That's about it. So um, I really, right. and and I'll also just note there's um, there's more to come. Um, we have some uh, new material that we're going to be releasing uh, in the upcoming months, which I think people are going to be very excited about. So it, it it's not stopping. Fantastic. That's exciting. I like that teaser very much. I look forward to covering that on sportslogos.net, and uh, perhaps we can get you back on the podcast here to, to chat about that. In the meantime, everyone can find the Fred Nats on all the social medias just by searching Fred Nats. It's real easy. It's just like it sounds. So, Seth, thank you so much. I appreciate it again. Thank you. All right, everyone. I'm very pleased to welcome back my good friend, Dan Simon, to the podcast. Dan, I think it's safe to call you a regular on this podcast, but uh, every, everyone knows your voice and your name now. So glad to have you back on to talk about one of your more recent creations, a really fun creation in spite of the fact that this is a minor league team essentially named for its parent club, which you know that I object to on principle. But the the brand that that you created for this team based on George and his mother, Mary Washington, the, these came out at different times. So I remember we covered these at different times for, for sportslogos.net. So when you first unveiled the brand, it was just George and uh, some some Fredericksburg-based branding. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Dan, thank you for being here again. I'm, I always enjoy being here, so thank you for having me again. We're deep into the off season, so this is my this is my baseball fix now. Getting to talk about minor league baseball logos, this is uh, you know something keeps me a little bit sane during the during the off season. It was 2019 uh, October of 2019 is when we wrote this article for for SportsLogos.net, and uh, we talked about the Fred Nats, and we said introducing the Fred Nats by George because there's a whole George Washington thing going on here. So we've talked about the name, we've talked about the choice of the name already on this episode. I would like to get into with you. First, let's let's look at George. How did you decide what George Washington was going to be wearing in this logo with him swinging his baseball bat axe logo? Well, we're all familiar with George Washington from the many paintings we've seen of him. And he's dressed either as a general or in his presidential garb. Um, in this case, George Washington, I don't believe he was born in Fredericksburg, but he, I believe they moved there when he was a very young boy. Um, and so he grew up in, in Fredericksburg. And so, and where he famously, although people believe it it's, it's just a, a tall tale, um, where he famously chopped down the cherry tree and uh, could not lie about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, that informed what we were going to do, not the cherry tree person. Well, yes, actually the cherry tree as well informed what we were going to do with him. Um, he needed to be, look like a boy. Now, at first I was thinking, well, how do I make him, what might he have looked like as a boy? And I, I was thinking, okay, we, we're going to have to make a young boy face on him. And then I was thinking, nah, it's going to be even funnier and funny, not just in a goofy way, but in a kind of a, I, I'd like to think kind of a charming way. If he's got adult George Washington face with boy, a smaller body like a boy and boy clothes. So how would he have been dressed as a boy? And frankly, um, you know, back then 
they they didn't have um uh i don't know even as even as young boys you tended to dress kind of like an adult so i had them wearing the type of pants and just a shirt that young boys would have worn back then so that's how he's dressed his body is smaller so he looks boy-like and of course he's um i shouldn't say of course but we also have him swinging not swinging but it's his he's holding an axe like cocked like he's about to take a swing with it and it's uh the the handle of the axe is a baseball bat because baseball and but it's got an an axe head on it the same one he would have same kind he would have used to uh mythically uh chop down the cherry tree what he's wearing really looks like sort of you know a appropriate to the time but b kind of has a baseball-y feel about it right like i mean as he's wearing the the pants are red and the shirt is white but it kind of looks like baseball pants that he's wearing it's knickers he's wearing knickers exactly so yeah so this is you know this this george washington you know obviously because of the connection that the washington family has to frederick fredericksburg makes a lot of sense but then shortly after that that logo set was unveiled. And I want to get back and talk about some of the other things you did with the initial logo set. But the pairing of George with his mother, Mary, I, there's a lot to unpack here with this with this logo. What what went into the creation of, of the Mary Washington logo? Well, the interesting thing about that is with, with any identity that we might create, um, there's research that goes into it. And uh, to a large part, that's, you know, Google searches for... Mm-hmm. If we're doing, let's say, a type of bird, you know, you you Google that type of bird and make sure you're accurately depicting it. And so, of course, with Mary Washington, we wanted to accurately depict her. Mm-hmm. However, keep in mind that she was um, born and passed away uh, years before cameras were invented. So there are no photographs of her. Um Frankly, there are no photographs of George Washington either because he also passed away before cameras were invented. But of course, there were a lot of paintings of George Washington. Not the case with Mary Bell, that's her maiden name, Washington. So there were not a lot of paintings of her. Um, And now if you Google Mary Washington, you'll see a a lot of paintings and drawings of her. There's a ton of things on, on the internet. However, and we, we learned this from the kind people at the Mary Washington House. Her house in Fredericksburg is still existing and, and is, it serves as a museum today. And there are, are people who work there, those people, the interpreters there. At, I don't know if that's the word for them. It is the word. Okay. At, um, at the Mary Washington House, we, we had a call with them uh, and they explained to us that even though there were lots of paintings and drawings of Mary Washington, there is only one that they know of that was painted while she was alive, meaning when it a painting of her, somebody looking at her and then painting that. And they're not even certain that that one painting really was what they call, I believe, a live painting. Um, so... Everything else you see out there are people probably imagining what Mary Washington may have looked like. So what they explained was there was a relative of hers, I believe it was her niece, um, who 
they they have this actually in letters or or something from from the period handwritten letters family family letters or records where it, they said that this this niece favored looked like mary washington mm. and there there is a painting of her that they know is this relative so that's what we used at least for the facial likeness of mary washington then we said, well, how would she have been, we asked how she would have been dressed. And they, what they did was they sent photos of the actual interpreters who work at the Mary Washington house because they dress like people from that period would have dressed. And so we have now living people with period clothes on. They sent that to us as reference. And that was what... Uh, that was our guide for how Mary Washington, the logo or the character logo would be represented. This is a really significant amount of, of research that went into, you know, making sure that these, the, that these characters were, were accurate. And I think that that's, I think people maybe don't even appreciate, you know, here, here's you as a designer contacting the Mary Washington house working with the living history interpreters there to to establish okay here's what what this person might have been wearing at the time or or would likely have been wearing at the time in spite of the fact that there's obviously no photographic evidence or even you know painting evidence i i think that's such a cool part of this story that that is pro probably goes underappreciated by consumers of minor league baseball you know the amount of research that goes into making sure that that these characters, you know, obviously by the time you have crafted a logo out of them, to take to take all of that, to take that amount of research and boil it down into, you know, a, a logo that represents these things accurately, you know, I don't think that's fully appreciated by people who just sort of glance at this and say, oh yeah, that's George Washington and his mother in a logo set. So I just think that's a really cool part of the story, and I'm really glad that you shared that, and 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 especially, you know, working with the Mary Washington House, I think that's a um, yeah, that's a that's a super cool part of this story. So yeah, and in addition to it being super cool, it, it is cool, and and it's okay that people look at it and they 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 don't think about that because really that's not what design's about. Nobody gets to see the process. They don't get to see what's happening behind the curtain, and that's okay because it's not meant to do that. It's just meant to resonate with them when they say it, and uh, but. Hopefully, I, sh I should say, hopefully it resonates with them. And one of the ways that I believe it will resonate with them if it's, is if it's done right. Mm -hmm. And in order to do it right, you need to do the necessary research. And frankly, I don't look at that as kind of like, um, the, you know, something I have to do. I really enjoy the research. I enjoy doing it. And I enjoy what I learn. Like right now, I have just spoken knowledgeably about Mary Washington. I have to admit, before I did this project, I couldn't have told you what George Washington's mother's name was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, and I certainly couldn't have told you that there is only one painting of her and it may not even be actually of her or an accurate represent it, it is a painting of her but they don't know if it's an accurate representation of what she looked like i couldn't have i wouldn't have known these things and i get a little bit uh i don't know if it makes me smarter but it it 
it has put more knowledge in my brain at least. And I, I kind of like that. I've, I've learned about animals. I've learned about people. I've learned about places. Uh, I guess we're going to talk more about uh, uh, the, the other elements of this identity. And there were things in one of those logos that represents Fredericksburg. I had not previously been to Fredericksburg. I have now, but uh, I, I now I know about places and people and things that I would have never known were not for what I need to do to do my job and do it well. You've just stated far more eloquently than I ever have the reason that this podcast exists, which is I keep telling people, you can tell the story of America by understanding why minor league baseball teams are called what they're called and why they have the logos that they have. And so the work that you do gives you the opportunity to get an understanding on like wildlife, like the the Tortugas, obviously history, like, uh, you know, this, this, this Fred Nats logo that you did, even the uh, you know, the mythology or, you know, the stories of, you know, something like the Great Falls Voyagers and learning the 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 story of a UFO sighting, right? That just all of that is part of this big tapestry that is the United States. And it's so cool to to learn those stories through minor league baseball. And so for, for you to gain that even deeper understanding because you're creating the logos that we're learning from, that's cool. I love that. I love that about this, this whole thing. Um, yeah. And I love how you describe this podcast about how it tells the story of the United States and actually beyond, you know, you've got sure. the Vancouver Canadians and potentially other teams. But anyway, the story of, of America through these identities. And that's one of, there's so many things that make minor league baseball so cool and so fun. This is certainly, certainly one of them because think about major league baseball, um, the Detroit Tigers, for instance, <laughs> or the Oakland athletics. They're, Somewhere there's a story of why the Tigers are named the Tigers, but it probably doesn't go much deeper than it was just a cool name at the time. That's what they kind of named teams, you know, Bulldogs sure. and Eagles, and and they make their cool animals and they make for good logos and things like that. But the story probably in the great majority of cases with names like that, the story is not going to tell you anything about America. They're right. just going to tell you about what what's a cool animal or other other type of thing that to make for a name of a team and potentially for the logos as well. Although back when the Tigers would have been named the Tigers, the only logo they I'm sure when they started they didn't even have logos like the Yankees. Um, uh, you know, in early days, teams were called the Red Sox mm -hmm. not because of an idea for a name, but because they were a team would have just been called the Boston baseball club, but they had red stockings, red socks. And that, that was the only way you can differentiate teams. So there was not a lot of thought that went into names of teams back then. Um, but, and, and frankly, in minor league baseball there years and years ago, there would have been names also like tigers and, sure. and athletics, but there were even, there were even names like, um, uh, well, here's an example in Kannapolis, the city's team, it wasn't a minor league baseball team. It was actually the textile mills team. They were called the Kannapolis Towler, Towelers mm -hmm. because the textile mill there made towels yeah. and other home products like that. Um, and, 
And so that certainly is telling you something about that city. So there were names like that, and some of them were pretty funny as well. Um, but it, it's, you know, baseball and yeah. minor league baseball and town teams like that, mill teams that just had all these interesting names. And to this day, that's still the case with minor league baseball. And this is information you have on the top of your head because you created the Kannapolis Cannonballers logo, right? Like this is, you know, research that you did into the the stories of America. And I want to, I'm going to circle back around. I'm going to use that to circle back around to one of the other brands that you created uh, for this uh, Fredericksburg Nationals team, for the Fred Nats. But it's the one that really highlights the, the city itself, uh, or at least the landscape of the city where you've got the river and the bridge and the... Um, the riparian area, they call it, between the river and the the land, um, and and then of course you know the the sort of church steeples here. So this this sort of picturesque scene that you created with the Fred Nats script of Fredericksburg itself, you know, really a sort of soothing logo, right? Like this sort of soothing identity for that it seems very place based um, more than it does team-based, if that's a, a fair way to assess that. So can you talk about cr the creation of the sort of Fredericksburg, the, the Fredericksburg landscape logo that you created? Yeah, that's, uh, in the first round creative presentation, I presented uh, a, a primary logo that had some of the, the, uh, um, architectural, I think it had some of the steeples in the background behind the character. And we didn't ultimately go that way for the, or the team didn't ultimately choose to go that way with the, with that particular logo, but they liked the idea of a representation of the city. And they said, how, how can we work that into the system? And one of the neat things about uh, baseball, actually all team, all sports identities is in in days past, uh, really, you'd have kind of one logo, a home and a, at least with baseball, a cap logo, home and row jersey, and that was pretty much a team identity uh, and, and a primary logo. Um, now, team brand identity systems tend to be much more in-depth. There are a lot of secondary logos. And so I said, yeah, let's let's do a a, you refer to it as a landscape. I believe we refer to it as the cityscape logo. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a, a notable bridge there that, that spans the river and takes you right into, into Fredericksburg. Um, and that bridge is in there. And you mentioned the church steeples. And there were three steeples that really... Are, are, are noticeable even from a distance mm -hmm. um, because they're steeples and they stick up high. So uh, they wanted those three steeples in there. And then there's also this lush greenery on, on either side of the river. And we pulled all those elements together and uh, added the Fred Nats script to it. And there you had a cityscape logo, which the has apparently proven to be very popular. People there in Fredericksburg love the, it's a beautiful city. It's mm -hmm. really a beautiful city, very historic. Um, and this captured the beauty of it. And they, they like that about it. Dan, there's one other thing. And this is, and this is, I, we should maybe have a sort of content warning here for, for type nerds. But one of my favorite parts of this conversation that you and I had 
early on was the mark that you created where you had to take a script letter F for Fredericksburg and fit it into a baseball kind of uh, evoking what the Washington Nationals do with their W inside a baseball. Obviously, the letter F fits differently within the the baseballs and the arrangement of the seams and everything. And I remember when we talked about this uh, originally for sportslogos.net, you were talking about how difficult that project was or, or, or how much care it took to actually make the letter F look right within a, a circular baseball with the with the seams arranged a certain way. And that that really appeals to 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 my affinity for for type and imagery and logos. So I'm curious to, uh, just to hear you tell the story of, of what it took to make that letter F fit in that baseball. Well, for the primary logo, even though, as I mentioned earlier in this conversation, uh, I had some other ideas for how the primary logo might look. What the team ultimately wanted was in, in the same way that they're named after their parent club, they wanted the primary logo to echo or mimic the Washington Nationals primary logo, which is a circular logo with um, a W in the middle and type around it. So that's what they wanted for their primary logo. And they wanted, in the same way that the Washington Nationals have the script W in the middle, they wanted their script F. Now, as a designer, one of the one of our one of the biggest challenges we have are working with letters and in turn, sometimes with words. Um, I'm actually working on a, a project right now where I'm having a bit of a uh, um, a challenge because of the particular number of letters in this team's word and where one of the key letters fought falls where a jersey breaks and it, it's you can split letters sometimes and it works fine in this case it, it's it's causing a problem and I'm I'm, an, I'm a bit flummoxed by it but I know I'll solve that but which team is letters, it what's the word I promise not to tell <laughs> I love when you do that it's <laughs> it's you've gone there before and I, it's funny every time one of these days I'm going to get you with it <laughs> um, so anyway there were certain letters that just are harder, more difficult to work with than others. Certain letters are great letters to work with. Symmetrical letters are normally easier to work with than asymmetrical letters. Letters like the letter F, where you know you've got this unused negative space in the lower right of a of a F, and especially in a script F that left these glaring when put inside of that circular middle of of the um this roundel primary logo we were creating it left this this glaring empty space in the lower right and also in other areas just because of the weirdness of the script f and i'm looking at this and my first thought was this just isn't going to work and then i'm thinking well maybe there's something i can put in those negative areas and i this is an, an audio medium on which we are recording. Um, but for those people listening, right now I'm holding up a baseball and this is the actual baseball that has been sitting right in front of me, right in front of my computer since the day I caught this at a Louisville Cardinals baseball game. I caught Very this nice. foul ball. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can do baseball laces. 
Um, and I'm, but I, I like how I, I tried before I actually, before I picked up this baseball, I I've done baseball laces and logos a number of times before and everything I tried based on the way I've done it before just didn't work. So I'm picking up, I picked up this baseball and I'm rotating it. And with this letter F on my computer screen in front of me thinking, how can I get these laces, the, the, the particular view of this baseball, can I get those laces to, to fill those negative areas nicely? And I turn the baseball and I'm going, hey, this might work. Took a photo of it at that angle, brought it into, brought that photo into my computer, put the letter F over it, and it it solved the problem. And then at that point, all I needed to do was render it graphically, which I did. And voila, there's our primary logo, thanks to a foul ball I once caught. I love this kind of thing just so much. Like when we get into the nitty gritty of of specific letter forms and how they fit within the the structure of a baseball, and uh, th this is just the sort of detail I think. There's, there's so much about this logo the, from the research that you did, the historical research you did on what people of the uh, you know the colonial time period would have been wearing while they were playing baseball, all the way up to how do you fit a script F into a circle without, you know, having glaring white space or, or, or negative space counterform. I, I find the, the term negative space so pessimistic. So I like to use <laughs> counterform. So Dan, this has been as always so much fun. I love these conversations and uh, just, you know, hearing about the work that you do. Thank you so much for, for coming back again. I look forward to, I'm sure in the very near future, having you back on to talk about some more of your work in the world of minor league baseball. Well, I am looking forward to the next time as well. These conversations are always a lot of fun for me, um, in addition to being fun for you. And I don't know what what identities I have already done that you might have um, um, on your, your docket for the future, but I can tell you I've got two new identities for 2024 currently in the works. And uh, so those won't be unveiled for a year, but uh, when they do, we, we, there are some good stories in, in those ones as well. Well, we'll certainly cover that breaking news in sportslogos.net. And in the meantime, we'll keep talking about the work that you've already done on this podcast because it's so much fun to delve into to all of these. Dan, thank you very much. At the time of this recording, I always do this. At the time of this recording, Thanksgiving is coming up. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm guessing this will drop sometime closer to Christmas. So, you know, happy happy holidays to everybody uh, out there, whatever, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, as Paul and I discussed at the beginning of this call, he will be hosting his first Thanksgiving at his house there in Colorado. So I, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And, and good luck with preparing everything and hosting that. It sounds like it's gonna be a lot of fun. By the time this drops, we'll know how that went. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you. See you next time. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I am very happy right now to have on the podcast my friend, Philip Greenwald, who not only is my friend, but is a a history interpreter who tells the stories of, of our, the history of, in particular, of our country. Philip has actually played George Washington at a National Park Service site. He has actually done living history as George Washington. So I think Philip has a, a particular insight into the, the Fred Nats George Washington-based logo. Philip, 
thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for the invite. It's good to talk history and baseball at the same time. So. There you go. So you and I go uh, way, way back. Obviously, we were co-writers together on the first uh, media outlet that I ever did, which was Bloggers to be Named Later. Don't go there now. Uh, I have no idea what has become of that site, but for uh, I, I let the I let the URL expire years ago, and then it was picked up by some insidious uh, sources. So do not go to bloggers to be named later. But <laughs> you're in the you're in the Mid Atlantic region. You live in Maryland now. An Orioles fan. So the Orioles they're on the upswing right now. They're in a very tough division. It was fun fun to watch them, and it'd be nice to see the uh, the American League East get shaken up a little bit. Oh, yeah, the evil empire taken down and some of that big money uh, knocked out. So, yeah, we can dream, um, right? So, what I really want to talk about is the the, the ratio to crab and to breading in a, in a good crab cake. But I think instead I'm going to ask you about uh, George Washington. You, uh, like I said, you actually have portrayed George Washington uh, at a Revolutionary War site with the, your current employer, the National Park Service. Can you tell me, first of all, what kind of ball player do you think George Washington would have been? Well, uh, considering that he's six inches taller than the average male growing up in the 18th century, um, you're going to look at a, uh, I hate to use the word Aaron Judge because I'm not a Yankees <laughs> fan, but you're going to look at a bigger life personality. Um, we also do know that he had a cannon for a right arm. Uh, he apparently was able, the famous throwing silver dollar across the Delaware uh, actually originates, they believe, in a rock across the Rappahannock. And years ago, they used to have... Um, high school phenoms playing baseball in the local Fredericksburg area, try to do the same thing, throw a rock across the Rappahannock to emulate Washington. So um, maybe an arm like Roberto Clemente out there, the late Roberto Clemente um, might be a better uh, comparison. I wonder if too, like either a pitcher, right? Because that height, you know, it's, that's an advantage as a pitcher, but then, you know, an outfielder who with that, with that arm like that, yeah. Gunning people down, trying to, trying to take the extra base. So this this logo, obviously, this team, the Fredericksburg Nationals, they're named for their parent club. That's boring. There should be a constitutional amendment against it. But the reason I'm featuring them on the podcast is this logo set that features George and Mary Washington, George and his mother, Mary. That is, uh, you know, it's sort of groundbreaking, right? The the logo with Mary Washington, I think, I think, and I have to, you know, I have to research this. I got to get my crack squad on this, but I'm pretty sure it's the only female human who serves as a as a logo for a baseball team. But obviously, the reason the team has George and Mary Washington as their logos is because of the team's connection to or because of the the Washington family's connection to the Fredericksburg area. So can you talk about what is the connection to the the, the Washington family has to the, the Fredericksburg area? Sure. Uh, so Washington is born uh, about 40 miles to the east um, out in uh, what's called the northern neck of Virginia. Uh, but his father does purchase property uh, around what's called Ferry Farms. It's right across the Rappahannock River from downtown Fredericksburg. And so the family moves there when George is 11 years old. It's actually there where um, George's father passes away um, and so forth. So um, Mary Ball, um, at that time, Washington is the oldest uh, of the children still at home, 11 years old. There's four other kids behind her. She had, or behind him, excuse me, and Mary Ball had just lost. Um, the last one, uh, a young girl that died in infancy. And so Fredericksburg is where Washington uh, kind of transitions from a kid to, uh, to being an adult, trying to figure out where his world is. Kind of how growing up, like a baseball player would grow up in the minor leagues to mature, Washington does the same thing. Um, it's where some of the myths that uh, originate from, the cherry tree 
if you ever chopped down a tree, it would have been at Ferry Farm. Um, the silver dollar across the rap or the Delaware probably started because of a rock across the Rappahannock as a kid. Uh, we do know he played in the water there. And so Washington matures at, in Fredericksburg. Um, Fredericksburg will be the last home for Mary Ball, Washington, uh, his mother. Um, she'll live at Ferry Farm. Um, ironically, her and George are, if you want to know George's personality, it comes from Mary Ball, um, the strong-willed, very determined, very often in type person. Um, apparently they did not get along too well because of that nature. And so uh, one funny story is that Mary Ball, uh, George had bought a house in downtown Fredericksburg for her that was around the corner from George Washington's sister, um, but didn't ask Mary Ball if she was ready to move from the farm. She said she wasn't ready. And so he had to sell the house. About a year later, she said, you know what, I'm ready to move, but I want that house. And so George had to go back and buy that house. Um, for probably a uh, more exorbitant price than he did the first time. But, um, so yeah, you have this huge connection and, and Mary Ball is buried in Fredericksburg um, and in downtown Fredericksburg. Uh, so is uh, George's sister as well. So you have that family connection. So you have, you have these, these logos where you mentioned the myths, right? So you have these logos where George is swinging an ax like a baseball bat. And then you have Mary who is throwing a baseball and you can actually line them up. So it looks like Mary is pitching to, to George. Mary looks like she's throwing left-handed to me. Is there any evidence that she might've actually been left-handed? Do we know about that? Uh, so not, of course, not definitive. Um, we do know she had uh, limited schooling, so she did, did learn how to read and write. So there is a possibility. Um, extrapolating a little farther, it was considered to be, um, a gentleman for Washington to be able to be graceful and to be able to dance and move and use both hands. So it might have been uh, Mary Ball. They always say, well, left-handed people live longer anyway. And so Mary Ball lived to be 80, about 81 years old. So uh, remarkable long life for an 18th century uh, person. Yeah, absolutely. And then so George is swinging a, a, an axe with a bat handle on it. So it's sort of a, a combination baseball bat axe. What about this myth of the cherry tree? Do you, when you portrayed George Washington, did you get asked all the time about why did you chop down a cherry tree? <laughs> why, you know, why did you tell the truth? You could have gotten away with it. Is that how much of a focus of, of visitors' attention on George Washington is that? that it's actually a big focus just because Washington is very meticulous near the end of his life of leaving a record that he wanted people to know. And Mary, uh, Martha's wife, uh, will actually burn most of their correspondence. So we don't know a lot about their relationship because they wanted to keep it private. And so Washington always had this kind of like veneer, like um, I hate to use a football reference, but like a Bill Belichick in an interview, he's going to give short <laughs> answers. Um, you're not going to peer through. So yeah. the cherry tree and other ones, stories that are made up after he dies are trying to humanize him and these founding fathers. And so Washington um, did um, have the makings of, a, of an athlete. Apparently he was in the competitions throwing iron bars as far as he could, or the rock across the Rappahannock, or so this cherry tree also spoke that um, Washington didn't tell a lie, make him larger than life. Um, the joke we used to say at the site was that he meant, may have never told a lie, but he never told the whole truth the whole time, because he uh -huh. was in the espionage during the Rebel War and so forth. So like to keep his cards close to his vest. Um, and part of that is because he did have a big temper. Um, like a Bobby Valentine manager temper uh, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and so 
it took a lot to get him as a Jolly Green Giant to explode. But when he did, there are, of course, stories from soldiers during the Rebel War that um, he could curse and um, yell and to shake the heavens um, is how much uh, his volcanic temper could just erupt and so forth. Nice. And so you're a fairly tall guy yourself. And you, you mentioned that George Washington was a you know, bigger stature guy. So you, you, know, you obviously fit the role when you're out there portraying uh, George Washington to visitors. When you, you know, transform into that, that character uh, for visitors to come ask you questions like in period costume, what are the things that they ask, you know, besides the cherry tree, what are the things that they want to know from you as the character? Uh, it's fun, I mean, it's, you really have to prepare because you never know. Um, it's like any of the sites you work at as a, like a national park ranger, do you have the off the wall questions? Um, did George Washington ever brush his teeth because he did have bad dental hygiene by the time he's president, he only has one real tooth left in his mouth. Um, to uh, what, uh, what type of education? Um, because he has the equivalent of a fifth grade education in today's standards. Um, or um, what was some of the other uh, questions? What was his shoe size or, or so forth? Um, and did he ever crack a smile? And yeah, he did uh, like the joke. He had a, uh, a sneaky little sense of humor, um, they would say, um, that would come out. But um, he tried to refine himself. So it was always, for me, I'm more of a bubbly personality, more of a find the humor in the situation and connect. And I think that's why I'm in the field I am. Washington was always more reserved and more calculated, but to his friends and so forth, his, his confidants, he could open up um, and everything. And so that was the big, um, but I always try to portray when I did the, uh, Washington at the age that I, that he was when I was doing it. So in the early 20, I was in my early mid twenties. And so, Washington is just trying to figure out what he wants to do in this world um, and is thrust into some amazing stressful situations with these with the French in the war at the age of what, 24 years old yeah. leading um, going into the unknown and so forth but you really see like it's a coming of age and that's what I always like about Washington it's Washington before he becomes the the silhouette on the U.S. quarter such a Cool thing, I think, to highlight for a baseball team with this logo set. And I appreciate you coming in and, and illuminating me. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on and talking about the, the Fred Nets. This has been fun. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, good luck with that constitutional amendment. Uh, change <laughs> that they can't have their parent, parental club name. At least the Orioles don't have that. So I can. No, the Orioles. Me. I like the Orioles farm teams. That's uh, they've got a great set of farm teams and, and so close and so close to the parent oh. club there, which is you know great for, for Baltimore. Philip, where can people find you uh, online? Are you on what, what's the best way to find you? Twitter, Facebook? Uh, yeah, Facebook. Um, I try to stay active on Twitter, but I'm one of those. I'm either good or bad. Like there's no in between. But yeah, <laughs> Facebook is probably the easiest way. Um, Most of my people are on Twitter here. So what's your what would your Twitter handle be? Uh, Park Ranger eighty six. All right, thank you, Philip. Yes, sir. Thank you.